Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. For today, we will continue on with our monthly conversation on the emerging markets. That means joining us once again, glad to welcome back Alejo Zerwanko, the Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Alejo, welcome back to Top of the Morning. Thank you for dropping by and looking forward to our conversation. Dan, good morning. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. So, Alejo, you're joining us today as you do on a monthly basis to highlight, talk about your team's monthly flagship publication, Investing in Emerging Markets, the title for this month, Favorable Risk Reward. So let's dive into the story a bit. Within the publication, you do highlight that global supply chains and forward investment routes are rapidly being redrawn. So can you tell us a bit more about these trends, what you've been picking up on? Totally. We start by highlighting, Dan, that over the last five years, we've experienced a succession of major shocks that have, of course, motivated governments and businesses to quickly move away from a just-in-time mentality focused on price and efficiency to more of a just-in-case mindset, one that prioritizes reliability and resilience. Uh, the shocks I'm referring to are, of course, um, the U.S.-China trade tensions that broke out in 2018 and, of course, continue to this day, the COVID-19 pandemic and Russia's invasion of Ukraine. In this context, terms such as nearshoring, friendshoring, allyshoring have all become quite commonplace in financial media, and companies have increasingly announced or discussed a reshuffling of global supply chains. I think there's reasons to believe that this trend is only in its infancy. If you take the most recent UBS Evidence Lab CEO business survey, for example, this is from early 2023, it found that 70% of executives in the U.S., 78% of executives in Europe, and 54% in China are planning to move parts of their supply chain closer to home. All that said, I think investors should avoid adopting extreme conclusions. Um, as one example, Raytheon Technology CEO Greg Hayes was interviewed by the Financial Times this week, and he said, look, we can de-risk, but we cannot decouple. In so many areas, there's simply no alternative to goods produced in China. Um, and I think if this is true for Raytheon, which is, as you know, Dan, one of the largest U.S. aerospace and defense manufacturers, a similar conclusion likely applies to most companies in less geopolitically sensitive industries. Um, as another you know, example, earlier this year, when many observers, and you and I talked about this in prior uh, episodes of, of the podcast, uh, many observers were quite loud with prognostication on the demise of the U.S. dollar as global reserve and trading currency, at the chief investment office, we argued that we were gradually moving towards a more diversified, yet still dollar-centric global currency order. In a similar nature, similar vein, we would conclude that we're moving towards a more diversified global supply chain order, yet one in which China maintains a critical role. 
from the sounds of it, Alejo, this story has a lot of runway ahead of it. Of the developments thus far, what would you identify as far as being the winners and losers? Absolutely. So let's look at recent data to identify some of the trends. U.S. imports from China, for example, are still growing in U.S. dollar terms. Yet their share has contracted from a peak of 22% of total U.S. imports in 2017 to 17% last year. So we have seen at least a relative rearrangement of you know, the weight different countries play in this ecosystem. The early winners from these rearrangements were Asian markets, such as Vietnam, first and foremost, South Korea, Taiwan, and to some extent, Thailand as well. More recently, I should say, Mexico and India have both attracted, attracted a burst of investment commitment by foreign companies, and this has been gaining significant media attention. We should not forget, Dan, as well, that manufacturing investment in the United States may also be entering a renaissance. This is fueled by a number of factors, including recent legislation such as the Inflation Reduction Act, the CHIPS Act, in addition with restrictive controls on exports of cutting-edge semiconductors to China and the expected executive order limiting U.S. companies' outbound investment in select occasions or circumstances. Um, and as you know, then, while efforts are being made to stabilize U.S.-China tensions, uh, State Secretary Anthony Blinken was in Beijing just a few days back, I think that's exactly what we can expect in a base case scenario, stabilization and improvement is a much more complex undertaking. undertaking. So, Dan, putting it all together, I think you get a you got to consider Vietnam, Korea, Taiwan, Thailand, Mexico, India as the clearest beneficiaries within the emerging markets of this reshuffling of supply chains. And in addition, um, the U.S. manufacturing sector itself is experiencing tailwinds. Uh, this is one of the reasons, as you, as you know, that we maintain the U.S. industrial sector as most preferred within our U.S. equity preference. Alejo, with respect to investment considerations as well as implications, what should investors be mindful of here? What would you advise? So I think we need to be very mindful that supply chains and foreign investment routes are rapidly being redrawn. Um, and in this context, we need to underscore the importance of geographic diversification in investment portfolios. We see a great opportunity cost from the fact that global investors do not own enough emerging market assets relative to historical averages, as some of these emerging markets stand to benefit the most from the trends that we're describing. In our analysis, both emerging market equities and emerging market bonds merit a most preferred stance in portfolios, in, in global portfolios at the moment on the back of attractive valuations and stable to improving fundamentals. In addition, focusing on some near-shoring standouts, we have this month upgraded our outlook for Indian stocks 
thanks to the country's better-than-expected growth dynamics in the first quarter, a softening in inflation that will likely allow the central bank to cut rates in 2023, in addition to less demanding equity valuations than just a few months ago. Turning to Mexico, another nearshoring standout, the Mexican economy remains in good health with no major fiscal or external sector imbalances. I would expect the Mexican peso to remain well-behaved in coming quarters. We hold a positive view on local currency fixed income in this context. We find attractive opportunities in U.S. dollar-denominated corporate bonds from Mexican companies. And finally, then, I would say frontier market equities, of which, for example, Vietnamese stock make up almost a third of the universe. Frontier markets remain one of our preferred long-term investment themes. So all in, then I'd say in this fast-changing map of supply chain routes, foreign investment routes, emerging market assets should find their rightful place in an asset allocation. Well, Alejo, it's a fascinating and fluid story, which carries with it many investment implications, globally speaking. So thank you for joining us here on Top of the Morning for keeping our listeners, our clients informed. I'm sure we will follow up on this in a future conversation, though. Thank you again for your time today, Alejo. Appreciate it, as always. Anytime. Thank you for the invitation. Have a great day, Dan. Likewise. Thank you, Alejo. Again, I do want to point our listeners, our clients, to the flagship investing in emerging markets publication which alejo has been making reference to during our conversation today again that title is favorable risk reward the publication is now available up on ubs.com slash cio though again today we have been joined by alejo zerwanko the chief investment officer for emerging markets americas with the ubs chief investment office from ubs studios i'm ben cassidy thank you for joining us UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.